Hey, good morning. Wow, that's loud. I, yeah, it didn't need to be, but we can, we can turn it down a little bit now. All right, so we have some people that are hungrier than others. I'll let you make your way over. Hey, I need all the kids that are still in here. If you're a kid and you're here, can you make your way up here for a minute? I have something for you and I need your help. So if you're a kid, can you come up here real quick? Then you're, that counts too. If you're a kid, come on up here. I hope we have enough for everybody, but I have something for you all. So, kids, this is what you're going to do. All right, we'll wait till everybody gets up here. All right, let's see, let's see. Okay, so kids, look in this bag. Don't tell anybody what's in there. See that? Uh, yeah. Come up closer. Yeah, Come up closer and see what's in here. I see it all right. All right. So I want all of you to take a handful of these, and you get one for yourself, and then you have to make sure everybody else in here gets one. You guys are going to help me hand these out. Okay. So take a bunch and go hand them out so that everybody has one. That's your job. You guys are like, it's like Jesus and the bread and the fish. All right? So hopefully... Yep, grab a few and go pass these out to everybody. Do we get one or two? <laughs> get one. If you get two, then, then spread the love. Pass it on to someone else. You want to help us pass them out? Okay. We need to make sure everybody gets one. Raise your hand if you don't have one yet. All right, kiddos, look around and see who has their hand raised. I still have some in here, so I need more kids with you. Can you help me pass those out? Go find an adult that doesn't have one. Is this violating any kind of like child labor laws? I really hope not. I really hope not. Ollie, can you come grab a couple more? I'm sure there's, raise your hand still. Let me see a hand if you don't have one. All right, someone in the back, Ollie? There's, yeah, in the back. Cyrus needs one. Tim needs one. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands if you don't have one. Raise your hand if you have two. <laughs> all right, then. Are these all extra? Wow. Well, do you have one? Where's yours? Okay, cool. Larry, do you have one? I need to see hands if you don't have a Play-Doh. Sure, absolutely. No, one each. Wow. Everybody has one? Bree, where's yours? David, where's yours? Uh, not yet. All right, and kids. All right, I hope everybody has one. Betty, Phil, show me your Play-Doh. Show me your Play-Doh. Busted. <laughs> hey, hey, take one to Betty and Phil, please. Al, show me the Play-Doh. What? <laughs> show me your Aristotle. 
That was a stealing modification of Phil's joke. All right, everybody have one? You need one? Sorry if I... <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay. I hope everybody has one. And um, yeah, that should, that should keep us all occupied. So if you're wondering what we're doing with this, Hey, I'm Chris, by the way. For those of you guys that uh, are first time people here, welcome. This was a little bit different morning for us. If you have been here before, what did you notice was different about our worship time? Yeah, so obviously the kids were in here with us. What was different about the dynamic? The energy level was much lower, wasn't it? The energy level was through the roof, wasn't it? And how many of you adults were kind of like, is this okay? <laughs> uh, is this okay? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Brian and Tammy as an example of, of part of the point of this. They appropriately, because obviously they want to respect our personal worship space, and so they were like, well, do, we're, I, Tammy was going to take her kids into the back room, and I was like, you don't have to. And she's like, but they want to run around. I was like, good, let them run. And she looked at me like, you messing with me? I was like, no, let them run. And did you notice something kind of changed in here when the kids started running around? Did you notice that there was just kind of like, like we weren't sure what to do with it. And I think partly we don't know what to do with it because they were so free. And maybe we are less free. Can I say that? I'm not trying to make this like a, you guys are garbage type message. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I just, there's something on my heart. And it's this reality that Jesus had a huge place in his heart for children. And it didn't fly well with the people around him. And he made some really bold statements. He made statements as bold as things like, like there's this one point in Matthew chapter 19 where the, Um, some parents want to bring their kids to Jesus to get prayer. And the disciples, even, Jesus' own disciples, step up in the way and they're trying to like block the kids off like they're Jesus' like secret, you know, what are those, um, yeah, secret service or something like that. Like, keep the kids away. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Let these kids come up here. And then he says, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to these guys. And we're like, The kingdom of heaven belongs to these little guys that run around when they're supposed to sit quietly. So that's one of the things we're going to look at this morning. So a few other statements just to paint the picture for you before I kind of put it back to why you have Plato in your hands. Not only did Jesus say the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 goes through this really, honestly, kind of scary rant about judgment. He's talking about judgment on all these different places. And then, it seems unrelated to us, but he says, I, he prays, he busts out into this spontaneous prayer, and he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. And it's this passage I was reading, and I seriously, I was like, that makes sense, because I read Matthew 11, and I don't know what's happening 
I have no idea what's going on there. And I'm like, oh, well, Jesus actually lets me off the hook <laughs> because I am not a kid. But I bet if we looked at that passage with kids, they'd be like, oh, that's simple. You're overthinking it. And there's this one other point that I'll talk about, and then I want to kind of put it back on you, like I said. Matthew chapter 18. The disciples are arguing amongst one another, and they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? And you know what Jesus does? He calls a little child up to him. Joshua Diego, come up here for a minute. Dylan, come with him. Any other kids that want to come up too? But the disciples are asking Jesus, who is the greatest in your kingdom? And he calls kids up to him and he says, you want to know who's the greatest in my kingdom? It's these guys right here. These guys are the greatest in my kingdom. You want to know who the kings are that are going to be reigning with me? It's the little ones. And my question for us this morning is, why does Jesus say that? And your response is to show us, through what you make with your Play-Doh, your answer to why Jesus would make such a bold statement. So if you've already started making something, great, and just hold on to it. But if you're wondering what to do with the Play-Doh... I'd like you to take a few minutes and think about that question. The question is, why would Jesus say that these little kids are the greatest in the kingdom? Why would Jesus say that the kingdom belongs to them? Why would Jesus say, Father, thanks for hiding all this stuff from the wise scholars with their PhDs and you've revealed it to the ones with minds and hearts like this. Why does Jesus say those things? So think about that and then shape your answer into something we can see with the Play-Doh in your hands. Go ahead and do that now. Kids, you should be uh, doing this as well. It's part of the point. Does anybody still not have Play-Doh, by the way? You guys need me to repeat the question? Need a Play-Doh? All right. You get to pick out of a plethora of options which color you would like. So, repeating the question, the question is, why would Jesus say something as audacious as the kingdom of heaven belongs to kids? What is so special about children that the kingdom would belong to them, that they would even be the greatest? You're supposed to make whatever your answer is, demonstrate that with what you make out of your Play-Doh. So, instead of using our words, we're going to use our imaginations. Imagine that. Hey, get it? Pun intended. Yeah, Pamela. So, so kids are pliable and moldable. Isn't that frightening? <laughs> it is a huge responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, so Pamela is saying that there's an, there's an answer or there's, there's a little hint in the actual Play-Doh itself, right? That kids are pliable and moldable. 
So some of you might need more time to think, that's fine, but if you already have something that you've started making, we'll do a little show and tell. So yeah, Torah. Right, but there, oh, there's a lot of layers to what she just said. They're open, though. There's not blockage. There's this, there's almost this receptiveness, right? Because there's not, like, barriers in the way, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rachel, right? Yeah. Mm, unquestioning. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, childlike faith and unquestioning love. Neil? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? There were kids that were involved in that story of the breaking of the, the fish and, and uh, bread, right? Yeah, a little boy brought the, brought the stuff to the table. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jimmy, what did you make? Hmm. There's a purity about children, isn't there? That if it was an adult, we'd almost <laughs> patch at him. It would almost be a naivety, but there's a purity. Geska, you better talk about that because I'm already distracted. They're super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are just fun. Look at, can you guys, did you guys see this? Geska, turn around so people in the back can see. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are just fun. There's this, there's this way they think that just makes, puts a smile on your face, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about it, Larry. Just a simple smile. What's that? Simple. There's a simplicity, right? There's a simplicity to the faith of children. It's just, it's simple. We don't need to overcomplicate it. Yeah, Beth. So the creativity, the kids just, they, they see something, like most of us, how many of you guys looked at the little thing of Play-Doh and you're like, oh, a little circle-ish, cylindrical piece of dough. And the kids, I'm sure as soon as they saw, they already envisioned what it was going to be, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on us adults, you guys. I'm not trying to pick on us. But Jesus said it, so we need to pay attention to it, Right? There's something there. Yeah, someone at Phil, did you, and Joseph, Phil and then Joseph. Uh, so <laughs> 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 oh, man. I'm speechless. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, they don't have bad habits. Well, <laughs> yeah. They have different habits, but yeah, there's, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Phil. Joseph, what'd you make there? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. There's, what's that? In a lot, yeah, there's this like uninhibitedness to children, huh? They'll just like dive into something. I could tell you stories about, oh man, what's that? Yeah, yeah. There's this invincible. Can I can I pepper in a story real quick here? Oh my goodness. So so Zachary, where Zachary's back there? Or is he okay? Oh my goodness. Zachary, every gray hair that I'm getting has been catalyzed by Zachary Drake. But I just remember this one time, you guys have been to the, over by the jetty on the bay side, you know, of the, over by the jetty there's those big rocks that are just perfect for jumping onto the sand right there, right? And then, and then the water's right there. So Zachary, Josh is, Josh is more of our, our cautious one. He's like his mommy. He kind of likes to assess the situation, huh, bud? You, you like to see what's going on before you just like, boom, dive in. Well, Zachary, is more like me. He's like the ready, fire, aim kind of kid. Where you like, you do what you're going to do and then you feel how bad it hurts and then you assess from there. So I remember sitting there and I'm, I'm down. I had just jumped off of one of the rocks, not really remembering how moldable <laughs> these kids are, but I jumped probably, it's probably like eight, nine feet into the sand and I was like, that was fun. And so I didn't realize my boys were watching. Zachary had been carrying this stick around the whole time. It was probably about this long, and it wasn't just like a little twig. It was like a substantial stick. So as I land, and I turn around, and before I could even think to say, stop, and even imagine what's going to happen, Zachary runs and jumps exactly where I had jumped, stick in hand, and he lands, and his body crumples under the impact, and the stick goes, like, <laughs> right next to his ear. And I just thought, man, if we can keep this kid alive till he's 18, we have done <laughs> our job. Like, literally, I felt like my heart was just going to, like, beat out of my chest. I was like, but he, there's just this uninhibitedness to him that he's just like, I'm just going for it. And I don't know about you guys, but I honestly could use, my wife would disagree with this maybe, but I feel like I could use a little more of that. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, let's keep this coming. I love this. This is good stuff. Tora. I, I want to hear from a couple more people, and then I want to share a few of my own observations. But I just, I really enjoy hearing from you all. So, Dora. Yeah, there's a sense of like, well, I mean, you, there are exceptions, of course, but there's a sense in kids where they look out for one another, huh? And there's like this, yeah, they, they're about sharing, they're about generosity, yeah. There's an abundance to a child's heart, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, what else? Some more. Did you, Bree? Uh, I had a really ugly son. Uh, <laughs> Hmm. 
Yeah, very carefree. Kids are deeply in the moment, aren't they? Let me ask you this. When's the last time you saw a preoccupied four-year-old? <laughs> yes. Right. Because think about the word preoccupied. I'm glad, I'm glad you triggered that. The word preoccupied itself means occupied beforehand. Right? When we're preoccupied, what are we thinking about? What are we worrying about? Something that hasn't even come yet, right? How many times are you worried about something that's going to come in the future that never even happens? And how much energy do you waste? My friend calls it future tripping, where we just, we spend so much energy tripping over what we think might happen in the future. And how often does it ever really happen? But kids are deeply in the moment, aren't they? Kids are deeply absorbed and ingrained in the moment, and they aren't preoccupied with something that might come. They're just simply occupied. That's a, I need some more of that. I'll take some more of that. Yeah, Andy. This is a, a stamp that's on the cover of it or on the lid, and it's a sheet. Hmm. Yeah, there's this sense of like, there's, for me, I associate that with trust. Like, sheep trust the shepherd. There's a sense of, let me ask, so, so parents, how many times when you tell your kids you're going to go get ice cream or something, are they like, well, do you have enough money? <laughs> Show me your wallet. Show me your credit report. Kids, they, they're already in the car because they trust what you say, right? They trust that you will care for them. But when God gives me a promise, I'm like, all right, God, show me your track record. Give me about 12 verses, eight fleeces, and nine prophetic confirmations from preachers that have never met me and never will meet me again. And then maybe I'll think about considering what you're asking me to do, right? But kids are just like, I trust you. You're my shepherd. I'll go where you go because I know you have my back. What else? Yeah, Brian, and then Tammy. I know, Tammy, you had your hand up, too. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for them it's a challenge, not an impossibility, right? No mountain is too high. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Tammy, what were you going to say? That's huge. Yeah, Henry and Ollie were not even considering what are these people going to think as I run around in circles around the auditorium, were they? They're thinking, hey, I have energy. It needs to come out. Yeah. But as adults, we get kind of beat into this place where we start to overanalyze and we base so many of our decisions on what are people going to say about me? What are people going to think? 
And kids are like, well, all I know is to be me, so I'm just going to be me. Can anybody use a little bit more of that? Yeah, yeah thank you guys. Um, I feel like there's a few more, but yeah, Josh. Yeah, see, I want to land on this honesty piece for a minute. Did you, have you ever thought about the reality that as parents, part of what we do is teach our children to lie? Like, we are the ones, and I'm not trying to be provocative, okay, maybe a little bit, but no, I'm just, I've realized this for myself, that, that really I'm the one that, that teaches my kids to lie. Kids, by nature, are actually really honest. They say exactly what they think. And if you are wondering what I'm talking about, think about the last time they got a really ugly sweater for Christmas. Or what? Or a sweater at all, right? To them, all sweaters are ugly, right? Yeah, so what do we do when our... So let me tell you this. I'll tell you another story real quick. So my little sister, she's adopted from China. She was adopted when she was three and a half. And, oh man, I think... Oh, so many stories about her. But when she was like five, so she had been in the United States for about a year and a half or something like that. And it was Christmas time, and she was opening up a present. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but all I remember was that, I think it was a little puppy, those little puppies that you put batteries in, and they like start walking, and you have a leash and stuff. So my grandparents were sitting there. Imagine, parents, if this is you and how horrified you would be. But so my grandparents that had gotten her this puppy were sitting there. And my little sister, she opens up the puppy, and the first thing she finds in the package is the batteries. And she takes the batteries out, and she throws them across the room and yells, that's not a million dollars! (laughs) (laughs) That was her response to her gift. (laughs) And my, my grandparents are just cracking up, and my parents are just mortified. Because what are they thinking? They're thinking, don't say that, right? We say, don't tell them you don't like it. Tell them you like it. We are the ones that have to actually train our kids in the art of, and and there's an alternative to that, and we can talk about it some other day, but if, if you're wondering how to navigate that, something that's been helpful for me is the thing called equivocation. This is a little bit of a side note, a little bit of a little detour, but anybody heard that phrase before, equivocation? So you want an example? Here's an example of an equivocation. If you want to be honest, you feel like you have two options, right? So if I was, if somebody was like, so, or I was like, so what do you guys think of the message this morning? And you're like, uh, well, do I be honest? Do I lie? So an equivocation is this third way in between those two, where you make a statement that has to be interpreted. So you say something like, it was like no message I've ever heard before. (laughs) 
That was the most unique sermon I have ever heard. And the person's like, uh, thanks, I think, right? You're like, whew. But, so anyways, we're trying to teach our kids to equivocate. So if you get them something, they're like, wow, I've never seen a sweater like this. And busted. But, but anyways, because kids are honest, they don't think through all these filters of like, what do they want me to say? They're just like, this is what I feel, so I'm going to say it. I wish my mom would have brought donuts instead of granola bars. Yuck, right? There's an honesty there that I think some of us could learn from. There's a vulnerability in that. Um, are we having fun yet? I, this, is so, like, this is a huge reminder to me. This is something Jesus is challenging me in because in this role, stepping into this, this role as pastor, I've been kind of pulled into this sense of like, well, what are all the responsibilities? Am I doing everything right? Am I, am I being a good pastor? Am I this? Am I that? And I'm just, Jesus is like, you're not a pastor. You're my son. So how do you pastor out of your sonship in me? And if you could remember your identity in the midst of this, would it change the way you carry the weight of your responsibility? And absolutely it would. Do you guys feel that with your jobs? Or with your roles as husbands and wives and parents? It's like if we could get back to this sonship piece, this daughtership piece, then all of a sudden we carry it in a way different way. Don't we? Because we realize that we're the ones being carried ourselves. And I know I need to hear that. And I realize all of a sudden just took us on a really serious note. And I wasn't, but, but that's just that's something that's on my heart is the way we carry our things. And as we, if we carry them as children, you carry it differently. And it's a lot lighter, isn't it? It's a lot lighter. Yeah, other... Couple more thoughts, and then I want to give you guys a few things that are close to my heart regarding this. Anyone else want to do a little show and tell? You changed it up. You made a hurricane. Tell us about it. (laughs) When's the last time you saw a kid walk somewhere? I wish I could bottle up some of that energy, don't you? Yeah, there's just this, I, correct me, baby, if I, if I get this wrong, but Sarah was reading this book on the Holy Spirit, and this guy, his take, his, his interpretation of why kids are such balls of, of tornado is because their bodies are such tiny conduits of this ginormous energy that the Holy Spirit is. And as we grow, we kind of make more room for the Holy Spirit, and so there's less that kind of like wants to leak out through running and chattering and stuff like that. But that was just a fascinating perspective. I challenge you to think, next time you see your kids doing something, it's like, I want them just to sit down and shut up. Just think about, is it possible that it's actually the energy of the Holy Spirit that's animating them? Not some like broken, fallen thing, but is, it, is there something good actually going on there that just needs to be channeled and redirected? not necessarily squelched. I know that if I could remember that, that would change my parenting. Absolutely. And I know this isn't a parenting seminar, but just, there's something, Jesus is like, be like kids. What if all of us, can you imagine if all of us, we, we quit walking and we just ran? If we, <laughs> can you imagine if you had the energy to run everywhere you need to go? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, just thinking about it makes me tired. But, There's just this energy that these kids have that the Holy Spirit has given them, I believe. 
I don't think it's ADHD. I think it's HS. I think it's Holy Spirit. Oh, man, I just had a really dangerous thought. And I, I don't, I'm not going to say it. Because I, I hate stepping on toes, but I don't want to step on toes. But is it possible that when we give kids Ritalin, we're actually quenching the spirit? Now, do you see why I didn't want to say that? <laughs> you guys made me. No, but just, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that that's, I, I'm not anti-Ritalin, but I just remember my little sister, she was diagnosed with intense hyperactivity disorder. And they gave her Ritalin, and you know what it did? It took the edge off of her personality. She was so subdued, and I, I missed her. I was like, what have they done to you? Because there's something missing from who you were. And I, if you, I'm not trying to be judgmental. If you've ever been to a place where you had to, you know, where one of your kids were on Ritalin, that's, I'm not trying to be judgmental about that. I'm trying to give some perspective that what if we could see the energy and the vibrance that these kids carry from God's perspective? Would it change the way we did things? <laughs> yeah. That's why we bought a trampoline. <laughs> because, and I made a really bad choice. This is a confession for you guys. I made a bad choice yesterday, but we received a package. It was about this high, this big, and it was filled with those foam packing peanuts. And I had a really bad idea, but I went with it anyways. I was trying to be childlike, and I'm really sorry to my neighbors and to the planet. But I was like, those packing peanuts would go amazing on the trampoline. <laughs> and so we have a 15-second video <laughs> of me trying to, so we dumped the whole box of packing peanuts on the trampoline, and the kids are jumping, and the little pieces, they're all crumbling, and the pieces are flying through the netting, and I'm with a vacuum. I have a, like, shop vac that I'm trying to catch <laughs> all the pieces so I don't feel bad for polluting. But I was just like, I don't even know what made me talk about that. But yeah, we're trying to channel <laughs> all this energy into something semi-constructive. Yeah, it's... And maybe that's what God wants to do with us. Yeah. Pamela, were you going to add something to that? Well, how did you tell that there was a balance? Yeah. Um, there is a balance. Yeah. There is. You know, you do want, God wants us to direct our children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that. That's true. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's where the channeling piece comes in. We're not trying to squelch, but it's not about uninhibited freedom either to just be crazy, right? It's how do we take these God given things and direct it in. And this is for our kids, but for us as well. How are we directing ourselves? And I feel like for me, I need to be directed more towards being childlike. A couple of things that are on my heart along these lines. You know what? So, one of the things I love about children that I want us to recapture, and this is a transitional message. This is, we've been talking about community for a few months, and now we're transitioning into looking at the life of Jesus. We're going to, something along the lines of beauty and brilliance, the, the life and personality of Jesus. What is Jesus like? But I don't want us, 
especially for those of us that have grown up in Sunday school and church, we have a lot of ideas. We know a lot about Jesus. We could tell each other a lot about Jesus, but I feel like Jesus is calling us to a place where we come to him with fresh eyes, where we come to Jesus with a renewed sense of wonder and with a lot of questions instead of a lot of answers. That's kind of why we're talking about this right now. Have you ever noticed that about kids? That kids don't have all the answers, do they? I mean, once they get to like seven, eight, they think they do. But when they're around four or five, they have all the questions, don't they? They have all the questions, not all the answers. And then something shifts. And I feel like that's maybe something that Jesus wants to say in terms of becoming childlike. He's saying, will you tap back into the sense of maybe letting go of your preconceived ideas and seeing with fresh eyes? And I feel like Jesus wants to do that with us over the next few months, is see him with fresh eyes. And, and also with a renewed sense of wonder. I remember, so I have been on, oh my goodness, I've lost count probably five, 600 flights in my life, maybe more, I don't know, probably more than that. I've been on too many airplanes. And I've got to the point where I start kind of getting grumpy about things like leg room and about turbulence. And I remember when we first took Zach and Josh and Nathan, when we took them back to China after living there for five years, they, they hadn't flown at all for the whole two years that we had been in the States. And Zachary... Josh has been on like 200 airplanes or something in his life already. So he's, he's done this flying thing. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's an old thing for him. But, but Zach hadn't been on that many flights. And I remember as soon as we got on the flight, we're like, Zachary, it's time to take off. And so remember, with this perspective, I'm sitting there grumbling about things like turbulence and the service and legroom. And, and as soon as we take off, Zachary, he looks at me and Sarah with the hugest grin on his face. And he couldn't even hold it. And he goes... We're floating on air! <laughs> and just had this like wall-to-wall grin. And I was just like, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm sitting there like floating on 35,000 feet of air complaining about legroom. I'm flying. Hello. But there's this sense of wonder that Zachary had that I feel has gotten lost over the course of my life that I want to recapture. And I want to recapture that sense of wonder when I come to look at the life of Jesus. I want to look at those stories of Jesus again and be like, that is incredible. Instead of, Jesus walked on water. Let's analyze what's happening there. Jesus walked on water. (laughs) Right, Joseph? Let's try that. Like, Jesus actually walked on water. And yes, there's some way more going on there than we think. You know, Jesus wasn't just showing off and being like, hey, look how cool I am. There was some really symbolic cultural things Jesus was doing that if you want to find out, you have to just stick around the next few months. But there's some things Jesus was doing, but Jesus walked on water. So I hope that as we journey together forward, we can kind of recapture some of this, this sense of wonder and, and reactivate the sense of having more questions than answers. And and really tapping in to this to see Jesus afresh with new eyes, like these kids do. Um, can I give you a, a quick sampling of some of the questions my boys asked me about Jesus? To just kind of put ourselves in a child's mindset for a minute, and then we'll, we'll kind of see where to go from here. So they'll ask me questions, like, so Zach one time, he's like, how did Jesus make himself? Or he, he had this observation, he was like, 
How did he say it? Did you know that Jesus was, you know, I need to read it actually, because I don't want to, I have, I keep a list of my kids' quotes, because case in point, I forget the details, but I want to read you a couple of these real fast, and then we'll move forward. (laughs) Here's a couple Zachary statements. Did you know that the earth is Jesus' baby? Oh, man. Okay. I have the dates here. I'll show you later. I think I know why people don't like Jesus. They don't know that he's in their heart. He was three and a half when he said that. I think I know why people don't like Jesus. They don't know that he's in their heart. Uh, This isn't a Jesus one, but this is so funny. And I'm just reading from Zach, so Josh, don't feel left out. I'll share some of Josh's later, but (laughs) this is a Halloween one since Halloween is coming up. He said, baby is going to be mommy for Halloween. Get it? When Sarah was pregnant. Think about that. Baby is going to be mommy for all. <laughs> Susan got it. <laughs> that took a lot of thought. It took me like a minute. I'm like, costume, oh. <laughs> See, it's, <laughs> it's taking some people a minute. Did you know that Jesus wasn't born, and he was born, and he made his own mom and dad? You guys, a three-and-a-half-year-old saying this, a four-year-old. And I, I'm not going to give you Josh's yet, because they're like, yeah, I didn't want to, it's too deep for me to start thinking about, but did you know that Jesus wasn't born, yet he was born, and he made his own mom and dad? Isn't there something rich about that? And some of you guys are, yeah, it's like, well, I don't know, what do we do with that? But there's just this, there's just some kind of simplicity and yet the sense of wonder and the sense of the bigness of Jesus that these kids have that, that, that I need infused into my life. And I'm, I'll maybe end with this and then we'll see how the Spirit wants to lead us as far as prayer. But, but I would encourage you guys, this is one of the things I've started doing. I do a lot of speaking in different missionary training schools all across North America. And one of the things I've started doing is when the students come to me with a really perplexing question or when they're like, for example, um, a few months ago these students came to me, we were looking at the Gospels, and they were like, why does Jesus talk about the kingdom of God so much? Jesus talks about the kingdom of God over and over and over. And I was tempted to just kind of give them an answer, but you know what I did? I was like, Here's what I want you guys to do. Go ask some kids, preferably seven years old and younger, why Jesus would talk so much about the kingdom and what they think the kingdom of God is. And you guys, they came back to me so fired up and lit up with revelation about the heart of God and the kingdom of God. 
from things that five, six, seven-year-olds said. No filters, but there's just this sense. These kids get it. And so I would encourage you guys, when you come to a place, have you ever, do you guys, I don't know how your families work, but have you ever taken the time when you're going through a, a perplexing scenario to ask your kids what they would do? Have you ever thought about that? Or are you reading through the Bible and you're like, I have no idea what this means. Have you ever gone and asked your first grade daughter? What do you think is going on here? And I guarantee you they'll have some fresh eyes that you'll be like, Wow, I'm so glad I asked. The kingdom of heaven belongs to these little guys because there's something they get that unfortunately, and if you read in Matthew 18, and this is not the point of the message, that's why we didn't go into it, but go home and check out Matthew 18 because it is gnarly. Some of the most intense statements of Jesus are found in Matthew 18. Statements like, if you get in the way of one of these kids' faith, if you try to squelch their faith or give them a wrong impression of me, it's better if you go swimming with cement, feet cuffs, and handcuffs. Jesus says it's better for you to dive into the water with a millstone tied around your neck. In other words, don't get in the way of these kids' faith, but let this thing come to expression because there's something beautiful that's going on. And it's very, very important to me. Because it's, it's intense stuff, Jesus' response when people are trying to get in the way. And that's not where I wanted us to take this, but I'm trying to get us to see, trying to help us recapture the power in being childlike because there's something that the world just wants to beat out of us. Have you guys felt that? I mean, how many of you guys, raise your hand if you feel like you had to grow up too soon. Like you felt robbed of your childhood. Like there were things that God wanted to take you through and the next thing you know, you're having to maybe be the parent for your parents. Or you're having to take care of people when you didn't even know how to take care of yourself. There is an enemy out there and one of the primary objectives of this enemy is to rob us and steal away our childhood. Because it is one of the purest and most amazing reflections of the heart of God. And I don't know how much time we have. I guess we have as much time as we need, but... But that's kind of where I'd like to transition us into prayers. If you feel like there's something stirring in you, I know for me, I want to be renewed with that sense of wonder. I want to see Jesus again with fresh eyes and not bring all my answers to the Bible, but I want to bring all my questions to the Bible. And I want to just not feel like I have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders.